0: Welcome back to the Ed Morrissey Show. Joining us as always on Tuesdays, the prince of Twitter, the Regent of redstate.com. Andrew Malcolm at A.H. Malcolm on the Twitters is redstate.com. You know, that's the reason why it's region of redstate.com. Andrew, welcome back. Thank you. Good to be here. It's exciting. It's so, exciting news today that
1: uh, Salem is going to be one of the uh, sponsors on the next debate.
0: Indeed, uh, they're going to be partnering with NBC, and uh, I'm not sure who the personnel are yet. I don't know if it's been announced. I've I've heard some things internally, and I don't want to get into too much of that at the moment. But um, well, I know you're
1: busy. You're
0: busy. I volunteered, but uh, you know nobody was listening. <laughs> It'll be somebody from the radio side, clearly. And you know, uh, you know, it's a it's it's not like there's a huge amount of choices here. You're going to get uh, one of the the main radio guys on the stage so we'll see who that turns out to be um but uh because it hasn't been announced yet i don't want to talk about it too much but yeah it's a great opportunity for salem that wasn't the only uh november 8th yeah november 8th november 8th yeah so definitely mark it on your calendars that wasn't the only um internal announcement that we got that i got today by the way oh what was the other one well you'll appreciate this and i mean we can talk about this a little bit we've got a, a we got a new and revamped app that's coming out so you guys have to be. Prepared for this, it's gonna be really great. But because it's going to be sort of a comprehensive app for all of the town hall media sites, uh, we were told that uh we're gonna to have to adhere to a uniform style guide. Mm. And, and you as a newspaper man know what know what that means. Yes. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. That really is only gonna affect how we write headlines and stuff like that. That's all it really is, but um, <laughs> Like we were doing things two different ways within the town hall media group Uh, and uh, my side lost. (laughs) 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 So we're going to have to, we're going to have to change the way we do things at Hot Air. It's just going to, the headlines are going to just look a little bit different. That's all. And it's going to be a little
1: more, a little more formal
0: oh heck no not that no it just has to do with capitalization and oh you know, uses yeah. of quotes and stuff like that so it's real technical stuff so yeah that was the other thing i was very happy about the debate one i was you know not quite as enthused by the uh you guys lost the the, the style guy debate thing but that's you know that's just that's that's part when of. when does when does the app come well i mean it's not ready yet they're 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 developing it it's going to go into some testing for a while i can't tell you when it's going to be there oh, but when okay. it comes when it comes, we're going to talk about it a lot because it's going to be pretty cool. Um, we're going to, try to Get a lot of people signed up on the app. Um, great way to get your, I mean, we already have a hot air app. So if people who are watching this haven't tried that out, give it a shot. It's actually fun. It works really nicely. You can even, if you're a member, VIP member, it, you can log in, you can get to comments and all the fun stuff that you do on the, um, on the desktop. Um, and I think quite a few people use it. I mean from my understanding that, that that gets quite a bit of traffic, but this new one is going to be even better to so just be ready. Cause it's going to be fun. It'll be a real fun app. You guys are going to really enjoy it. So, okay. Yeah. All right. So, but that's not what we're talking about today, because I want to talk about how the media is covering the war. Now you and I started talking about this last week. Yeah. It hasn't gotten a lot better, Andrew, no. over, over the, over the last seven days um, we're still getting the, you know uh th- the problem is Israel type of coverage. we're still getting the well you know but but what about the proportionality uh from a media that completely misunderstands what proportionality means <laughs> i mean really uh, misunderstands it their their idea of proportionality is that the is that the um uh casualties are the same are equal on both sides. that is not proportionality. No, or that the amount of force used by both sides is the same that is not proportionality proportionality has to do with how you decide whether or not a uh a military a legit military target is worth the potential collateral damage that's it that's that's proportionality is what the idf does all the time because part of what they're calculating is how much of how many of their troops are going to be lost in in uh those types of operations um but the media is just does. It's not that they don't know, Andrew. I think it's that they don't care.
1: They don't care. That's right. And they're looking for drama. They're looking for conflict. They're looking for a good guy, bad guy. So, yeah, I I don't think it's going to change. And also, I have to say, and not because I'm an old fart, but I have to say that that um, the younger generation of reporters um in my humble opinion, uh, is not as schooled or as professional uh as the ones that they're replacing. Uh they're not as thorough. Uh they don't care as much about being complete and full and fair. They don't care at all about fair, but uh so it's a big difference. Uh and uh they've they've reacted to the internet, which makes it more Competitive, they've reacted to the internet uh the wrong way in my mind,
0: yeah, uh, this is an ongoing problem, Ben Rhodes, when he was at the White House, even sort of made fun of this, right, which was that the problem with the White House press corps is that they're, they the average age is twenty seven this is the first job that most of them had out of college rather than working their way up to a position
1: yeah, like the White House, yeah,
0: at the White House, right, and so. His comment was you could pretty much tell them anything and they'll repeat it. <laughs> yeah. They don't know yeah. better. That's right. Um yeah. It's sad. It's
1: sad. You talk about all the concern and the media about misinformation, and they're generating a large proportion of it.
0: <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, to to me, this is um this is sort of one of those moments where that, that lack of experience and complete credulousness, uh, when trying to when when they're absorbing propaganda rather than trying to dig in and find you know actual answers on things, yeah, really comes to the fore. And I mean it's really it, it's about how the media industry has sort of upended itself here because in the rush to get social media cred, uh mm-hmm you know, they've simply decided to abandon a lot of the traditional reporting things. And to be fair, a lot of the- Wait wait a minute, abandon traditional what? uh, A traditional reporting- Values, yeah. Values, yes. Values is what I was looking for. And to be fair, you know, the economic incentives for traditional reporting values, right? digging into stories, taking your time, doing the research necessary, developing context, developing a beat, before you can actually start producing anything. I mean, there really hasn't been a lot of financial incentive for that either.
1: No, no, none at all. And you combine that with inexperience. And there's nothing wrong with inexperience. I was inexperienced. I was trying to learn. (laughs) I was an apprentice reporter in Belgium, trying to learn French on the job. And can you imagine uh, my stomach when the editor sent me out to a suburb in Brussels to interview police about a murder. Okay, right. Ah, make sure we get these quotes right. Um, and part of the problem, which is part of the solution, the the media was very slow. Uh, mainstream media was very slow in producing. Well, diversity is one word, but I'm talking about uh, gender. Not necessarily equality, but getting women in more yeah. prominent, in more prominent, influential places. Uh, and then they moved on to uh, racial and ethnic and and pushing them along. And in their eagerness to meet, I don't know, internal quotas or dreams or whatever their goals were, uh, they moved along people who. By any standards, never mind what racial group they're from or or gender, uh, What too soon. You know, I mean, I look back on my career and I spent some years um, covering crap, Ed. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it was a complete waste of time. I would talk about being expendable. sending me to uh, sending me to Harlem uh, because they didn't really have anything else to do and they wanted to look like everybody was assigned to do something. And it was a pointless story, but it was practice to interview people and to uh, make yourself acceptable to talk with uh, in not necessarily a hospitable environment. Uh, So that takes time. No, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I didn't enjoy it so much at the time. Uh, and looking back on it, uh, it, I feel like it was a waste. It wasn't a waste. It taught me a lot of things. And unfortunately, the next generation of reporters didn't have a chance to learn that. They were just thrown right in, like you said, to the White House. Yeah. And, uh, oh, gosh, it's the White House. Look at this. And then they asked dumb questions like, Bill Clinton what what kind of underwear do you wear?
0: What? Uh well, to be fair I think that was a town hall question. I think oh, that was well, like they, one of those one of those town hall questions. Uh, to be fair if I recall correctly I think that was asked of him at a town hall. Okay well. So okay, it just proves then. that the public can ask stupid questions too.
1: <laughs> but but what they there was another one during the Bush first Bush administration. Remember he went to a grocery store. This is a famous yes. one. Yeah. He went he went to a grocery store. And they wanted a photo op of him with the guy. And it was new at the time was the scanners where you just move the product over a a light and it read how much it was. And Bush said, well, how does this work? And Andrew Rosenthal, who was the son of a god in journalism, Abe Rosenthal, uh, and one of my mentors, um, he just chose to make it look like George H.W. Bush was dumb. You know, what you do in those situations, you want to you want to be doing something. You want to be standing there like statues with the guy. So you say, well, how does this job work? It doesn't mean you don't know how it works. It means you want to engage him somehow and have him telling you how this works. but then of course that was how out of touch um George H.W. was. So uh those things happen all the time. Same thing happened with Dan Quayle and the potato misspelling. Uh it it's a uh, It's a sad thing, but that's what happens when you get move people along too
0: too quickly. Well, that and I think that another thing that happened this past week and hadn't happened when we started talking, um, or hadn't much happened when we started talking about this last week, is that the way in which journalism is taught. And practice too. I mean, I'm not saying in, not that it's not practiced this way, but also specifically the way it's taught in in journalism schools and in colleges and universities in general is it hasn't been the who, what, when, where, why, and how model, which is the model that I learned in high school, right when I was in my high school right. class, right? The five um, Ws. The five Ws, yeah, um, and um, you know the the in, you know the inverted pyramid, facts at the top, right. You know, color at the bottom sort of thing, right? Most, most
1: important fact, and then moving down.
0: Moving down. And that way, when editors need to delete stuff, they delete from the bottom because it's yeah. easy. makes it easy for everybody, makes it easy for the readers, makes it easy for the editors. So that was the model that I was taught. But even as I'm being taught that in the 1970s, right? Uh, and I'm not a journalism major. I mean, I took one journalism class. I think may, may have taken two because I think I took one in college too. Um, well, you act like you've taken three, Ed. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, it might have been because I had to take one over again. I I, I mean, I can't. I I don't think I'm going to comment on that. But yeah, but I had to I had to take about 26. (laughs) Well, I mean, the to be fair, too, I mean, it was a pretty simple process. Right. I mean, this was
1: it was it was, but it required a different way of thinking. Yes, Uh, it, it required initiative, which I don't see a whole lot of these days. Oh, please, that too, yeah, <laughs> hand me, hand me the news, and I'll pass
0: it on. Um, well, yeah, I mean, it, it's really taking PR. You know, it's like right. pu- yeah. republishing PR releases. It's really and, all, it's exactly good. as, and
1: that's the point that Ben Rhodes was making. Uh, and it's sad. Uh, we had an exercise in reporting one time, and I'll tell this really quickly. Uh, it was a real pro risk in peace uh, david carno who was the wire editor for the chicago Sun Times, and he would have sometimes mock Mm. news conferences and (laughs) uh uh, he would come out and he would announce something that that he was say a sheriff and he would announce that something had happened and then it would be up to the class to mine the details and ask the appropriate questions and as they were doing that He would say things like, no, that's a dumb question. Why do you care about that? And then he would say, this is it now. Nobody asked me about the time of day when it happened or those sorts of things. Well, we had a break after the first hour. He had announced that there was a murder and the family named Clutter had been killed. And I thought that rang a bell. So uh, during the break, I ran to the library. And of course, the Clutter family was the family in Truman Capote's *In Cold Blood*.
0: In Cold Blood, yeah.
1: Yeah, and so I went, went, raced, and I looked at the clips and and the book real quickly. At the end, found out who did the murders,
0: <laughs>
1: and we get, <laughs> and we get back, and 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 Mr. Colonel said, "All right, well, let's resume this news conference." And then, what are your questions? And I said, uh, "Do you have any suspects?" and he said uh, no and i said do you have any people of interest and he had to be honest and he said well yes and i said by any chance are they farm <laughs> 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 and he said uh yes uh and i said well, what are their names and uh uh he said, well, we're not releasing yet at this time. And I said, well, it, would it be wrong to say that their name was X and Y? <laughs> I mean, I just completely blew it out. I got an A-plus that day, but... Uh, you did but, your research. That's well, you, you did, did the research, see? And that was the point. And so he was delighted, and he used it as a, as a lesson later. He was delighted that you... uh He, he didn't mind getting called out because that was the point was to teach you how to go beyond what they were just handing you. Right. And, uh, uh, so obviously that day has stuck in my mind since well, that, you know, mid
0: sixties. And, but I think there, there's something else going on here too. And it ties into some of the stuff we saw in college campuses this week, which is that there isn't really an interest in pursuing the truth no. and the facts in in terms of objective truth and That's objective right. facts, right? Absolutely. There exactly. is a huge interest, however, in promoting narratives, and this is the reason. Well, it's it's certainly what leads to this. It's not the only reason. There's lots of reasons for this. But this week we've had campus de- demonstrations across the country, including at the Ivy League, at Penn, you know, Harvard, uh, Yale. I think had some and. Georgetown and Stanford and you know Cal State University Long Beach, which you which is my wife's alma mater, and which we will we shall never uh, confuse with an Ivy League school. I went to Cal State Fullerton, so you know we're crosstown rivals of of the of you know of the low division type, um, holding rallies promoting the Hamas terrorists that conducted a mass genocidal attack on unarmed civilians men women children and babies in their cribs using imagery of para you know a paratroopers you know uh who descended on that um concert in southern israel and slaughtered 260 people there um and um, paragliders paragliders excuse me paragliders yes paragliders and to me there's a couple things going on here one is that These people just are soulless (laughs) because if you're celebrating that, I mean, that's just sick. But the second thing is, is that they're not interested in actually digging into the claims that they're being spoon-fed at these institutions by radical instructors. They are only interested in regurgitating this because that's all they're interested in doing. There's no thinking going on here. Yeah, I mean, I've got theories. (laughs) I've got theories, Andrew. You want to hear some of my theories about this? Sure. Well, I mean, so here's my biggest theory about this: is we stopped teaching people how to think in college, and we just started exactly right. teaching people, you know, rewarding indoctrination. Right? We had a classic education model, and especially at the higher levels of education, and most especially in places like Harvard and Yale and and the Ivies, where you were taught the classic thought of Western civilization, all in all its contradictory glory, and all of its, you know, uh, all of its ups and downs, and you know, warts and all type of thing. You you studied the Greeks, you studied the Romans, you studied how um, Western culture developed and moved, and 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 was nearly lost and came back, and all these types of things. Not because you were going to have to name the 47 Roman emperors or however many they were, there were in your business life, but because it taught you how to think. Exactly. These people were philosophers. Marcus Aurelius was a philosopher. He's also a you know he's also a you know a dictatorial emperor, but he was a philosopher and he had interesting things to say. Julius Caesar had interesting things to say, and we threw all of that out the window about 50 years ago, or maybe 60 years ago at this point because it wasn't relevant and only the now is relevant and when you <laughs> there's a line from a, one of my favorite movies called the emperor's club which says and it's a quote from a philosopher which is to say to not learn what happened before you were born is to forever remain a child
1: and it's precisely oh no, that's a great line that's a great well uh in a column recently i forget which one i said that uh, we we don't study history anymore or we're not taught history anymore and we're not taught to examine it and think about it and look for the patterns anymore because it's old and it's past. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. History is old. I mean, that's the point. Uh, but if the column last Sunday was, was about what if, what if we did elect a third party president? And I don't think many people realize that we already have. Abraham Lincoln was a third party president. And right. Uh, and if you don't know those things or don't look them up uh, so you can know them and you can write about them then that's that's not being educated that's like you said that's being a parrot you're
0: repeating what you say what you heard right right it's it's strictly regurgitation at that point because we're not teaching people to think your instructor and this is a great example of this first off It's always great when you tell stories like this, Andrew, because they're always so interesting and useful. But your teacher wasn't teaching you how to ask a question, how to to dot an I or cross a T. He was telling you, you need to think and you you need to be skeptical of what you're being told and go out and find it for yourself. And this is getting right back. And I'm sure he probably said this to you. Which, you know, the old um, reporter's axiom is that if your mother says she loves you, make sure you get a second source for that.
1: That's right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, another thing he did, which I found fascinating uh, at the time and still do looking back, he was the wire editor for the paper. And in those days, they had what they call spikes that that was the delete button. When the, when a wire service story or something would come across the, the, the line and you didn't like it, you would put it on a spike. And that means you basically, you were throwing it away, but you kept it till the end of the day in case you needed to refer to it. Well, every week, Mr. Carno would take everything off of the spike one night, put it in a grocery bag and bring it home. And I would go to his house on Sunday afternoon and we would go through the pile and he would tell me, this is like reverse engineering. Why did he spike this one? Why did he spike this one? This one has two spellings of the same name. Which one you going to believe, Andy? Oh, okay. This one, this one doesn't have the age. This one doesn't have this. This one doesn't have. And that was like, uh, it wasn't teaching you how to do something. It was teaching you what not to do and therefore when you were when i became a reporter in in new york in 69 you you would not make mistakes that you would have if you were totally green i made mistakes but not not the obvious ones so right. those but that also involves thinking he would show it to you say now why do you think i spiked this well i had to try to figure it out and
0: that in doing that taught me to, to yeah it yeah. taught you editorial skills yeah absolutely you know the yeah. philosophy yeah. the philosophy of, uh, of of but that uh, carries over that carries over to
1: when you hear the tv news you say wait a minute you're thinking about well i know this and he's saying that and they don't match so you're going to go and, and pursue the details deeper if you want to really understand it instead of, well, he said
0: this, so, you know, it must be true. Right.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, this is the, I mean, this is the part of, I mean, honestly, there's, I think there's a division here between journalism and reporting. Reporting is what used to be journalism is narrative production. Mm -hmm. And that's part of the problem that we have right now. And it's also, and again, it's not just journalism. It's, It is the culture in which journalism operates or reporting operates. Um, And you can't really divide one from the other any more than you can divide politics from the culture uh, in which it operates. You uh, You know, Andrew Breitbart used to say, you know, politics is downstream of culture. And that's what he's talking about, is that politics is a subset of the larger culture. And you can't address the politics unless you're also addressing the culture. And the culture that we have right now is nihilistic. It is not interested in objective, superficial superficial. superficial, superficial. You know, dressing like a woman makes you a woman, right? Just <laughs> to use one example. Oh, that's a very good example. Yeah. Um, never questioning, never questioning the, you know, the uh, the thought process behind that, but instead lining up and insisting that anybody who questions it is somehow a bigot because this is something that we've decided in the now that is absolutely true when it wasn't even true 10 years ago. Nobody that's thought right. that way 10 years ago. That's right. Um, that's right. And it's because we are completely all of these things I think are because we've completely disconnected ourselves from the idea that there is a larger culture that has value. Not that it's perfect, but that it had value and there are reasons why it developed in the way it did because it it evolved in such a way to bring the greatest um, uh, benefit to the people within it. And the reason why it has been so um, resilient for so long is because of that. Uh, And it's, we have thrown the baby out with the bathwater. And what we see in media is very similar to what we saw on college campuses here, which is that it's all about the paroxysm of the now I, I, you know, I don't want to get too far away. We you, you brought up your column. We gotta talk about it oh, really. Well, don't worry
1: point. about that. And, and that's there. Uh that's there for people to go and see. But, um, I think you're on to something, Ed. This is a, a very important issue. This is not something that's passing through the news stream uh and the cycles this week. This is something that's fundamental is that people have to think. And if they weren't taught how to think. They can teach themselves how to think and question, question everything. You know, the question, not just question authority, but question narratives. Uh, And I think you will find that most of them these days are only partially true. And you may be comfortable believing the part that you've heard. uh, But. The truth, you may be voting wrong if you vote on that partial truth. The truth exists deeper. Yes. Uh, And we've settled for, uh, well, I don't like Trump. He's a boor. So I'm going to vote for Joe Biden. Never mind that he showed me in this 2020 campaign so many ways of how he's mentally failing. Yeah. And uh, some people did that for Jimmy Carter. You may be talking to one of them.
0: Uh, (laughs) Well, to be fair, Jimmy Carter, he was just wrong. He wasn't mentally. He wasn't mentally. No, he he
1: wasn't. But I didn't. I was so interested in voting against Gerald Ford that I went for uh, for Jimmy Carter without really examining uh, where he was from. He's a smart guy. And, you know, he's still in hospice. What was it? February. He went. He's still in hospice. They don't usually last that long.
0: Hospice, I think, is, and they said it at the time. And you know, God bless Jimmy Carter. I have lots of pres. I have lots of problems with his presidency. I have some problems with his post presidency as well. The guy's almost a hundred years old, and he's you know he's still clocking along, and uh, and he seems to be enjoying himself, which is the you know the big issue. His wife, unfortunately, is. Apparently has Alzheimer's or some form of dementia at this point in time, and it's very sad. But um, when they when they announced it, they did say that um, it wasn't an acute issue. Basically, it was a choice for just to, to just have palliative care at home for the issues that he's got, and he and he he doesn't want any interventions. But you know, he traveled someplace. I forget where it was at. He was out and about at one point oh. last week or the week before last. Oh, I missed uh, that. Yeah, you know, so I, one of the things when I was
1: preparing his, his obituary, I, one of the things that struck me was a quote that he said, I guess many times, but it just it stuck in my mind. He said, when you come to the end of life and they try you, they put you on trial for being a Christian, will they have enough evidence to convict you? <laughs> That's nice. I like that. Yeah, I like that very, very much. And he said he heard that in a sermon sometime when he was young. Uh, but I like that question. Will they have enough evidence to convict you of being Christian? And uh, um, yeah, rest rest his soul whenever.
0: Yeah. Whenever he passes, we
1: wish him, best. And, we yeah. wish him the
0: best and hope that his passing, when it comes, will be uh, peaceful and joyous. And, uh, yep. you know, just at, when he passes all the issues, you know, we can hash out all the issues, but basically <laughs> he's done with this world anyway. Um, his, he and God can have that conversation and we can talk about other things. So, um
1: uh, I still want to know, I want to know about that crazy rabbit.
0: Yeah. The the rabbit thing. I'm, I'm hoping I get an explanation in the next <laughs> one. All right. <laughs> We should wrap things up here, but we we got to have a the jokes. Oh yeah, story. I, I got a couple. I, okay, go ahead, you go. I'll go first. Okay, so yeah. a dentist pulls out a Novocaine needle to give a man a shot, so you know he can uh, extract a tooth, and the man says, "No way, I hate needles. No needles, no needles." So then he starts to hook up the you know the the nitrous oxide to put the mask on. The guy says, "No, no, no, it's going to suffocate me. It's going to suffocate me." <laughs> Dennis says, "Well, do you have any objection to taking a pill?" And He says, "No, I can take a pill." So the dentist comes out comes back into the office and hands him a little blue pill and he says, "Here, here's a Viagra tablet." And the guy says, "Wow, I didn't know Viagra worked as a painkiller." He says, "Well, it doesn't, but it gives you something to hold on to when I yank your tooth." Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh. oh boy. <laughs> All right, you're up for you're up for one of yours and I'll I'll come okay. back with the second one. Okay. Oh.
1: Let's see. Uh, Co- these are all old. Uh, Conan said uh, CNN had an editorial claiming that Americans are too dumb. I was going to read it, but then I saw 12 craziest cat twerking videos, and I clicked on that instead. <laughs> <laughs> and I have one other one at Conan also. Columbus Day in New York City. Thousands of Italian-Americans lined Fifth Avenue for a grand parade. Meanwhile in LA, Fabio went to an olive garden.
0: <laughs> I don't know. I just like that one. It's kind of sweet. I like that one too. All right. So a new this one's for Micah, who's got a who's got a brand new baby. So if Micah's doing the, the podcast here, this one's for Micah. Um, this is a, a proud new father has, you know, got an infant son and The mother has to go out and and do some errands and she leaves the 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 son with them for you know a few hours and the baby starts crying can't figure out why the baby's crying he's trying to jolly the kid around he's trying to um you know feed the baby the baby won't stop crying and finally the doctor just gets really or the, the um the the father gets really concerned about this so he takes the baby over to see the doctor and the doctor is saying well let's take a look and he's checking him out checking him out and opens up the diaper, and he says, well, his diaper is full. He says, the father said, that can't be. The package said it was good for 10 pounds. Oh, jeez. Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, both of those are from net. I always like to give credit where I find yeah. the jokes. jokes of the well, I, have, I have a true story, which
1: it became a joke, but it wasn't funny at the time
0: those are the when best. i when i was young
1: and i had a baby uh we were in a babysitting co-op now, you know how those work you you babysit yes. for one family in the building and you get 2 hours credit and then somebody babysits for you and all that so i was babysitting for uh a couple and he was in the you know the the crib on the floor thing and i was just reading the newspaper and Every couple of minutes, he would start crying. I mean, really, really angry, crying. Jeez, what's wrong? I'd get him up and look at him. No, nope, everything was fine. So I thought, well, maybe he's got an upset stomach or something. So when his parents came home late and uh, they said, well, how'd everything go? I said, well, it went pretty well. He's, he's, he's fine. And I was holding him a lot, but uh, I was just reading the paper. And, and uh, every once in a while, he would start. Crying, really angry, crying. And she said, Oh, well, he only does that when he hears newspaper crunk, crunk. crunk. <laughs> what? The sound of newspaper drove the kid crazy.
0: <laughs> An early yeah. critic
1: of the media. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My only son had a, had a, when his oldest was a baby, he would have these cranky moments. And there was one song that he liked. And so my son would just turn it on the phone and boom, like that. The kid quiet and would listen to music but without fail for his entire infancy. Just that one song would quiet everything down. And that's magic. That's magic.
0: should tell the singer. Yeah. The problem is yeah. it's Baby jerk. <laughs> 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 Drive the parents insane. But hey, it made the baby happy. So there you go. What? No, it wasn't a baby song. It was a pop song oh okay yeah
1: yeah i don't i don't remember who it was but it's uh, it,
0: i'm trying to think of what the most annoying pop song might be <laughs> Probably built this city by starship if, oh. if, if that was what the song was i pity i pity your son <laughs> <laughs> yeah. all right andrew malcolm the prince of twitter the regent of redstate.com Great talking with you again. We will be doing this again next week, sir.
1: Okay. Thank you, Edward. Thanks, everybody. See you then.